Hi everyone, I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, YouTuber, Instagrammer, Facebooker, interviewer, etc. And welcome to the second series of my In Bed with Neil Moody podcast. I hope you're all staying safe and well during these unprecedented times of the COVID-19 pandemic. Don't forget to subscribe to be noticed about more new episodes. In series one, I interviewed friends and work colleagues from the fashion and beauty industry who are entrepreneurial and also think outside the box. For series two, I'm expanding outside of my industry a little more and I'm subtitling this series, Turning a Corner. For this episode 11 of series two, I'm so excited to announce that I'm joined by my dear friend, makeup artist extraordinaire, Lucia Pieroni. I interviewed Lucia a couple of weeks before the COVID-19 lockdown in her North West London home. We've shared flats and apartments together and also holidayed together as good friends and toe-dipping yogis. And I felt very honoured that she agreed to do the podcast with me as she's a very private person and rarely gives interviews. Originally born in the north of England to an Italian father and half-Italian, half-Irish mother, she moved to the south of England with her mother and sisters at a very young age and spontaneously ventured into makeup from working in a London dance studio in the early 80s. Lucia is now one of the world's top makeup artists and is highly regarded within the industry as possibly the best of her generation. So come and meet Lucia where we discuss her frequenting the famous jazz club Ronnie Scott's as a child, her rise to the top of the fashion industry, plus her new position as a beauty editor that she's about to embark upon. Oh, and just about everything else in between. Hi, Lucia. Hello. You're sat in your kitchen. It's lovely, isn't it, outside today? It is. It's a beautiful sunny day. Beautiful sunny day with the lovely Teddy sat next yes. to us. For the benefit of the listeners, yes. tell us where you grew up. <laughs> well, I was born up north, just outside Manchester, mm. but I lived until I was about seven. And then I moved down. My parents split up and I moved down with my mum and my sister to Elstree in Hertfordshire. Mm. So I guess that's kind of where I grew up. Um, Did you have a Northern accent then? When I was very... Yes, when I was seven, it's yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I used to get the piss ripped out of me <laughs> when I was very young. Because actually, you know what? My first day of school, I got punched in the face. Nice. Yeah, from some boy who said I had a stupid accent. And also because of our names, me and my sister obviously went to the same school. She's a year older than me. They thought we were Red Indians. <laughs> and I think it's because my mum used to, we used to have long hair, my mum used to plait them. Right. So I think they just couldn't, they just didn't understand mm-hmm. our names and our plaits. So, right. yes, they used to call us Red Indians. And then, and, and yes. The Red Indian Peronis. Yes, the Red Indian Peronis. <laughs> of the Peroni tribe. Yes. <laughs> How funny. So you grew up in Elstree then, really? Was that really yes, I did. Probably what you remember most, yes, right? Yes. And how was it? I don't know. Kind of normal. Hmm. You say your mum had split up from your dad, so it was just... Yes. Yeah. We... Yeah, my mum left my dad one day. She picked me and my sister up from school with a load of furniture and my teddy bear in the back of an estate car. Like, we're off. <laughs> yes, we're off to live with your auntie. Mm. Yeah, so we moved to Elstree and we live with my auntie Stella and my uncle Pete, mm. which I guess was kind of... A ve- it was very different because we came from a very Italian kind of family to then... We moved to London. My my uncle Pete, 
he owned Ronnie Scott's with Ronnie Scott's. Like they'd started it together in the sixties. Mm. It was almost like my mum had this kind of new lease of life. So she'd be out every night with my aunt going to Ronnie Scott's. As children, we used to go quite a lot as well because I think more because they probably couldn't find babysitters. I'm not actually quite sure, but they used to drag us along. Mm. And so I went. Were you allowed into... in though? Because it's a well, very yeah. adult. Well, yeah, because he oh, owned it? it, so yeah. it wasn't. Oh, yeah, so so then we had, we had our, you know, we they gave us a little. I don't know if you've ever been to Ronnie Scott's. Mm, it's all yeah. that sort of kind of gorgeous jazz, very dark, very so, jazz, very, yes, and um, checkered, red check tablecloths and kind of little low lights. They always used to sort of shove us in the corner, but we used to feel incredibly grown up because we'd mm. be ten that we were on our own and our parents weren't with us. You know, I saw like Nina Simone and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, amazing people that I had no idea who they were. It was Mm -hmm. just incredibly glamorous for sort of young kids. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, it was my, even when I was the age of 20 and absolutely drunk and needed to get home, I'd stagger to to Ronnie's (laughs) and Monty and I can't remember the other guy's name. They would always... That you know the door guys, they would always like, oh hi, you know it was like family, and they'd yeah. always put you in a cab, completely drunk, obviously, send you off home. <laughs> send yeah. You off home. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, I guess, nice thing to have. Yes, it was <laughs> very handy actually. So we we lived with my aunt and uncle. This was obviously quite a long time ago, and they had a colour TV, they had a swimming pool. I mean, we didn't have those things from where mm. I lived up north. We only stayed there for about two years, and then my mum met my stepdad Jimmy and we moved in down the road actually you have a full on Italian name though don't you Lucia Perez so who was Italian I I knew your dad was wasn't he yes my my dad's Italian my mum's half Italian half Irish Mm. so her mother my grandmother is Maria Coppola and she came from Naples and my grandfather was from Ireland Ferguson. So mm. I'm not really in, obviously I am English because I was born here mm. and I grew up here, but my, I guess my blood is very, yeah, more Italian with a little bit of Irish thrown in. Yeah, yeah. So you, when you left school, you went to art college, didn't you? Yes, I did a sort of foundation with sort of visual display and graphic, which, you know, was great and I loved, but I don't know, I was just a... Did you know what you were aiming for? No, no, no. I just knew I was incredibly dyslexic, couldn't spell to save my life, <laughs> and and my math was just really bad. So yeah. I've just all always been quite arty, I guess, mm. and it was just where I felt comfortable. So I did that, and then, well, when I kind of left college, I was just I was young, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. At the same time, of Going to college, I used to dance a lot. I used to love dancing. I used to do a lot of ballet when I was younger, and I was doing kind of contemporary and in my sort of... Where did you do that? Where were you doing dance? Well, the local... I didn't know this about you. Yeah. I mean, I know you're like a little bop on the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I used... uh, Yeah, and I did this kind of mad year of going to this guy called Adam Darius who mm. used to be a mime artist. It's of Marcel Marcel. Yeah. <laughs> and he used to, so he used to do these amazing classes and amazing courses and I used to go quite a lot and in my head I thought I was Margot Fontaine but obviously I wasn't. I just don't think I was very good at, I mean I was okay, I wasn't mm. brilliant. 
you know, to be a dancer, you have to be exceptionally good. And I mm. wasn't exceptionally good. So me and my friend Susie used to, we used to go to these crazy auditions and I got a job in Pineapple Dance Centre mm. because I thought, oh, that's a good place to be because I can then earn some money and I can go and do dance classes because you get yeah, disco, right. yeah, because mm. you kind of work there. So I did that and I was just, I don't know, living my life and having fun in yeah. London and partying mm. and going out and... And Where did you used to go out? What was your places to go back then? It was a bit before I moved. I wasn't in London yeah. then. I mean, I, I remember going to the Blitz, mm. but that was very much because of my older sister. She she kind of hung out with all those, you know, John Mabry and, and Stephen Jones yeah. and Dinny Hall. And, you know, there was a whole crowd, crowd of them and like Luciana. Mm. So I used to sort of was the little bit of the younger sister that used to kind of tag along. Yeah. Um, so I did and used to go to the beetroot and the dirt box. Although the dirt box, was, I think I only ever went once. I was quite young. Mm. The wag, was that going there? Yes. Yeah. used to go to the wag. I used to go to Gaz's Rockin' Blues, Billy's. Right. Mm. Used to do all those. So I was just sort of young and having fun and, and just, well, I don't know, not really taking things very seriously <laughs> at all. Yeah, but you know what's great about that is you don't need to, do you? No. You're just well, a bit I don't like, know. It's very different now, my thing. It? Yeah, it is a bit. I think people are a bit more aware now. But back then, I think you could be much more... I'm just going with the flow and seeing what happens, yeah. right? It feels... Yeah, no, totally. Because yeah. I remember a friend of my sister's, this Italian couple that had kids, and they lived in this amazing place somewhere near Siena. And they were looking for a nanny, English, because they wanted their kids to learn English. I almost did it mm. because they offered it to me. I met them. I was like, oh, I could do this and that. And then I decided I'd do makeup instead. And it was so right. sort of, it was very... Could have gone either way. Yeah, it was a little bit of a flip of the coin. And sometimes I kind of regret it because I think, shit, I'd be able to, I would be fluent in Italian by now. Yeah. Because my Italian is pretty rubbish, by the way. <laughs> but what made you go makeup? What do you think was that thing where you went, no, I'm not going to go and be a yeah. nanny in Siena, I'm going to do makeup? <laughs> <laughs> well, my sister Paola, who... He used to do quite a little bit, quite a bit of modelling for friends, mm. and I think she used to do things for maybe it's Honey magazine, right? Or maybe it wasn't Honey. Maybe that was something else. Anyway, I just went and went along one day. Mm. She she left home when she was like sixteen, so we used to sort of meet up. I just did her makeup because there was no makeup artist, or the makeup artist hadn't turned up. Yeah, and she was getting in a flap, so I did it, and the photographer. All I can remember his name was Rob. And he said to me, do you want to come back next week and do an ad job? And I'll pay you 75 quid. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my God, that's a of money. <laughs> but I was still like, I said no. And my sister was like, no, she'll do it. Yes, she'll do she it. She spoke on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. I was working at Pineapple. Mm. I asked to have the day off from Danka, who was the kind of my boss, I mm. guess. And she she said yes, and she let me take all the makeup from the shop. <laughs> so I went with all this sort of counter. I don't even know why pineapple had makeup. I was going to say, what would pineapple do with loads of makeup? I don't know. It was a bit odd. So obviously, you can imagine my makeup kit was pretty. I don't mm. even know what was in it. So I did that. Then another friend of my sister Powers, her brother, started a chocolate willy company. 
Maybe. I've got that written down on it. On my little thing of notes, it says chocolate willies. <laughs> That's all I've got written. Because I remember you talking about, telling me yes, about that before. It was mad because it was, I mean, I think the thing about these things, these chocolate willies, that made them different from other chocolate willies. <laughs> so they were actually chocolate willies? Yes. Right, okay. It wasn't just yes. the name of the company. No, no. It was, you know, they were quite small. Penises. Penis. Chocolate, <laughs> made out of chocolate. Chocolate penis. <laughs> But it was solid, right? You see, because apparently there were, were other ones that were hollow. Were hollow. <laughs> this is a solid chocolate willy. Right. So I did the makeup for the model, who you know the picture. Mm. It's a bit like smiling, <laughs> holding the solid chocolate. Oh, holding <laughs> the solid chocolate. Anyway, so we were doing this in, in a studio in Hoxton, you know, mm. way before it changed. Donna Trope had a studio upstairs and she came down to, I can't even, you know, borrow a cup of sugar or something. And she came in the makeup room and she said, oh, I love your makeup. Will you come and do a test with me next weekend? And I was mm. like, sure. So tested with her for like mm. a year almost. Right. You know, most weekends, not every weekend. She does mainly beauty, right, Donna? Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. obviously brilliant, wasn't it? As a, somebody trying to start yes. makeup. Yeah, no, it was amazing. And she was very cool and she taught me a lot. Actually, I remember she used to make me this foundation that, that was, I can't even remember, it was something like Leishner, really thick <laughs> stick foundation, which is incredibly difficult to use and actually quite mm. disgusting. Is that more like a theatre makeup? Yes, it was yeah. very theatre makeup because she used to have extremely hot lights. Anyway, we did lots of really great things together and lots of really creative things. When I was at Pineapple, mm. I left Pineapple, actually, and I remember Richard Dudley, who was my boss, said to me, what do you want to go and do makeup for? You're not going to make any money at that. That's a dead-end job. Thank you, Richard. Be eating his words right now. Yes. Saved up money and went to complexions. for mm. six, They did a six-week makeup course. With Emma Koch? Yes. I didn't know who Emma mm. was. It wasn't... Emma's somebody that Lucia and I know. Yes. Well, but yeah. So I, I did this course, which was mad, because you just get these people walking in and off the street. Which is kind of really good training for you because most of them had really bad skin. So you're there trying to cover it up without it looking yeah. like they've got a face full of makeup. But what were you having to do though? Were you having to make them into do fashion looks on them or were you learning to just apply You were Well, makeup? I think, I can't really remember, but I think it was something like in the morning you got all these people from off the street. Mm. So you, there would be a certain look that they were trying to go for, but it wasn't necessarily a fashion thing. It was, you know, enhancing who these people were. And then in the afternoon, you get to do it on each other. You do more creative and crazy things. Mm. It was kind of boring. Right. But it meant that I did makeup on somebody every single day. Mm. You know, without fail, right? without fail for six weeks. Yeah. So in that sense, it really did help me. Mm. But the, but also because I, you know, I paint. Well, I used to paint and mm. draw. So I knew I knew about light and shade, and it's just a it's just a different medium. You use. So mm. you just adapt to you know. Yeah. I for for me. I don't know. I found it quite easy to look at somebody's face and go, okay, their eyes are a little close together or they're a bit far apart or, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you use light and shade to balance mm. their face mm. without them looking like they've got any makeup on? That was quite easy for me. Yeah. So I guess just being there every day was a sort of a little bit of training, isn't it? Mm. Although I remember once I did put these massive, great big, 
eyebrows on somebody because she'd plucked our eyebrows literally. <laughs> that she must have had a three inch gap between her eyebrows. She plucked them to death, and I just didn't know what to do with them. So I just thought, well, that just looks weird. So I'm just going to draw them in. So mm. I gave her these really sort of kind of buffalo eighty eighties eyebrow, right. which. You know, we're kind of cool, but then I remember the teacher saying, "Well, maybe she can't walk around like that." Like, Why not? It's better than she looks right now. It's better than what she looked like when she walked in. Yeah, um, yeah. So I did that, which mm. you know. So would you say art school? You learned all about light and shade and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's where that came from, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah, because you, yes, mm. absolutely, and mixing, and um, maybe that's why I was much more about paint and mixing things always making mm. colors and using my fingers a lot as well actually yeah in the very beginning that's mm. what i used to do a lot it was a lot about sort of you know crying grease paint and yeah you know, just mixing making mad colors and mm. did you do any other jobs or no was that just I, like... I went on the enterprise allowance scheme which was for all these young people who don't know this a very very long time ago the government would give you 40 pounds a week right yeah so you wouldn't sign on you wouldn't be on the dole but you would you wouldn't so you wouldn't have to sign on every week and you would be working towards this mm. goal of what you wanted to do. Okay, so, so it was for people who maybe wanted to start a business, but yes. very early stages. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. All you had to do was prove that you had a £1,000 in your bank account, and then they would sign you up and you'd get £40 a week. So I went to my bank manager and convinced him that he needed to send, lend me £1,000 uh, for a week mm. just so I could have it on my bank account. <laughs> Proved to the DHS that I actually had this money. Mm. And, and yeah, so they gave me £40. And it was actually amazing at the time. This shows you how long ago it was, because I managed to live off £40. <laughs> so you could go and do what you wanted to do without mm. being bound by... And you could work, so you could earn money if mm. you did. And I, I did used to do... There used to be this photographer in Fulham, somewhere off the Fulham Road. And I don't know how I got to know him. <laughs> But he used to pay me 40 quid a day to do the makeup for these girls that he'd say that he would give them a book. Right, right. And and that sounds all a bit dodgy. So but like a portfolio kind yes, of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. give these... And, you know, most of these girls were sort of posh young girls that could never really be a model. Yeah. Yes, it wasn't really particularly that great, but he never took advantage and there wasn't anything dodgy about it because mm. obviously I would never would have done it. He was just this really cool guy that used to take pictures of yeah and you made 40 yeah quid. i mean it was yeah. very fashion orientated it wasn't mm. sort of lingerie or anything like that he'd do like one portrait of them mm. one fashion picture and one kind of lifestyle picture i mean it was naff as hell <laughs> but he used to pay me 40 quid. <laughs> day. actually it wasn't even a day it was like <clears throat> a half a day so i kind of did that mm. as well as signing up well not signing on being mm. on the enterprise allowance and um, yeah and then slowly slowly i started to to i i threw my sister again and my, my sister is the person that sort of introduced me to all these people yeah i met andy bettles who was an up-and-coming photographer at the time yes and we but he's still life right andy what he used or to did do... did it become still life? I, actually I think it... Yes, maybe. I'm not actually quite sure. Because I know if it, I know he moved to America. But at the time, he used to do fashion. 
And we used very to handsome, I remember very Andy Battles. Yes, he was. <laughs> because I met him thinking, oh my god, he's like really hot. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. I tested with him for quite a while and mm. then I think his first one of our first jobs together was some Japanese magazine. You know, remember in the sort of eighties it was cool to do Japanese magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we did the face, which, you know, I hadn't done anything. Other than, I guess, stuff with him. I mean, I mm. tested with Donna, but that was very much just testing. Yeah. Then he he said to me, you need to get yourself an agent. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And he was like, no, no, no go and see Beverly, at St who wasn't at Streeters, actually, at the time. Right. She was at Lynn Frank, so Beverly, who owns Streeters with Liz. So mm. I went to see her, and she took me on. And within the month, she called me up and said, okay, I'm leaving, I'm starting my own agency, and I'm taking you with me. And I was mm. like, okay, because I didn't know anything. You know, I was so naive. I didn't actually really know anything about fashion either. Yeah. I wasn't really... How would you describe your work then, your makeup work? What what were you doing then? Was it quite 80s, or were you sort of going beyond um, that? Can you remember what it was like? I, I guess it was probably quite 80s. I remember, remember giving myself a talk going, okay, Lee if you're going to be serious, you need to buy some brown, eye brown eyeshadow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any... Didn't have any brown? No brown. Right. I had no normal makeup. All I had was <laughs> mad colour and lots of mad paint and colour. And I don't know, I remember my mum for my birthday and I can't remember how old I was but she bought me there used to be an amazing makeup shop called Cosmetics a la carte right and they used to do 22 eyeshadow on brand <laughs> no in any colour you want right so you could go to the shop oh I see and you could choose what colours you wanted in your 22 eyeshadow mm. palette and my mum bought it for me for my birthday and it was something like a hundred and something pounds which was a lot of money then mm. and I was so excited and I got so excited about it all oh they were all bright colours mm. I didn't have any brown <laughs> so yes I do remember sort of thinking okay you need to why brown? <laughs> I don't know just because I think it's that norm you, the, the normalness of right. brown isn't it it's like mm. a shading colour isn't it yeah. it's like light and shade you kind of need a bit of brown don't yeah. you so obviously the makeup you were doing wasn't that normal then obviously no. then well d definitely with Donna it wasn't and mm. then neither with Andy really I yeah. guess so when was that? When would you say that was? What year? I'd say it was probably about 88. Right. So Streeters was very new then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally, they. I was with Lynn Franks for like a month or two, right. and then they mm. opened Streeters. And how many were you at Streeters at that point when, when she opened it? I can't actually remember. I think there was me, there was Ken O'Rourke was there, mm. Thomas McIver who's obviously married to Liz. Yeah, hairdresser. Yeah, this is going to... Oh, I think Leanne Hirsch was there. Mm. Maybe Lisa Butler, but maybe she came after. I don't right. think Lisa was at Lynn Franks. Mm. But I know we were there pretty much at the same time. So, yeah, sort of early days. But um, it's small. Yes, yes, yeah. it was very small. They only t She only took a select people with her mm. from... Lynn's. From Lynn's. I remember Drew telling me once, who's a hairdresser, said to me once that everybody thinks you're sleeping with the photographers. Because I think I arrived at I arrived <laughs> at Streeters and you know, my second job 
being on Streeter's agency was doing British Vogue with Andy Bethels. Mm. And it had nothing to do with me. It was Andy. So obviously because he was it was he was on his trajectory and mm. you know he was doing all this stuff which was amazing. And obviously because I worked with him that's why I did it. So yeah. I missed out all the sort of you know newspapers because I remember lots mm. of people used to do like the Even Standard and things like yeah, that. All I the didn't, supplements. Yeah, all yeah. the supplements. I didn't really do any of that. Mm. And I didn't assist anybody. Yeah. Oh my god we had a similar journey. Really? Well, my, my first shoot was The Face. My second one was Italian Vogue. Oh, there you go. Pretty similar. Sweet. And I didn't assist anyone either. Yeah. I, but I think it's just a different world. It's a different yeah. business. I don't think... I'm not sure you could do it. Well, maybe you could, because there's a whole Instagram... Well, I was going to say, people from Instagram yeah. have come about yeah, ex- without exactly. assisting. But yeah. in the normal way of wanting to be a makeup it's just not the same no there's not as many people there's not as many makeup artists or hairdressers mm. yeah I mean it seems because now it seems like people do assist and they do the yes I mean I think the thing about assisting is when you get to assist somebody on a high level become their first assistant you get introduced to a whole world yeah. that you wouldn't possibly know. All those photographers, those editors, all those magazines, mm. and you kind of become part of a family or a family of, you know, who you're assisting. So you know all these people. And mm. when you do move on, which I average, I'd say, is three to five years, I mm. guess, you know, and you're a good assistant and you're liked, then that's how yeah. you go to... To the next you step. Move to the next step, yeah, and yeah. you know people take a chance on you because they know you, and mm-hmm. so they might. And also, you're coming up with your peers, like all those photographers' assistants and stylist assistants that are moving up the ladder. That you know, yeah. So it's a great place, yeah, to be able to do what you want to do. But then you know, it depends on what kind of makeup artist you're talking mm-hmm. about, because I think you can now become extremely successful and famous Instagram makeup artist mm. from your bedroom. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, Did you ever think about assisting, though, back then, or was it not really a thing? I actually did, but I was really quite shy when I was young, mm. and the thought of me having to ask somebody if I could assist them was just like, I can't do that. Yeah. I remember I my sister did... She's not shy anymore, by the way. <laughs> I am, I'm just bossy. <laughs> My sister Paula knew Joe Strettle. Yeah. And she asked her if I could assist her, but she didn't need anybody. Mm. I think I did assist Leanne Hirsch on a Coca-Cola show mm. in London. And I remember being absolutely freaked out by the whole process of it. Completely freaked me out. Mm. It was just, it was another world and yeah. crazy and... You know, I did the same. I went to assist Sam at night. Oh, you did? And I, I was so freaked out by the whole experience. On a show, Sam might not even remember, because I was probably like the biggest wallflower in the, in the room. <laughs> but yeah, and I just remember being like, oh my God, I can't deal with this. And also being a bit like, I don't know if I like this hair. This isn't my thing. Yeah. It's not me. Really, yeah. I remember being so in awe of Sam because I used to look at magazines and see his work yeah. and be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, yeah. with all the big supermodels. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how yeah. you sort of think you want to be in that arena and then when you get there, you're a bit like... Ah. I, remember, I remember, actually, I think one of my first shows was, I think it was Blue, Blue Marine and Anna Monoraria, and actually it might have even been with you, wasn't it? And I was totally petrified. Mm. No idea what I was doing. Was that your first show? Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. Well, apart, yeah, because the only other one I'd done was I'd assisted Leanne. That was one right. show in London. Yeah, that was my first oh, God, show. God, I thought you'd been doing them for years when no, we did that. No. Wow. I never really did shows. No. No, I didn't start off doing mm, it. Mm. Yeah, it was quite quite bizarre, I guess. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't have a team. It was no. all a bit weird. <laughs> so what would you say was your first big break that where you could say it catapulted you to a not to the next level? Was that British Vogue with Andy, or do you think it was... Well, I think that was definitely the start mm. of British Vogue with Andy. Because of that, I, you know, I, I met Kim Knott, and who was working as a photographer at the time, and he did really beautiful pictures, and he mm. did, you know, Vogues, and I got the opportunity to work with him. So mm. I guess... Andy was my sort of first, it was the first sort of step onto that ladder. So I missed out a lot of, can I say, boring stuff that I really wouldn't have wanted Mm. to do. Mm. But less creative. Less creative. Because I knew I was going to talk to you Mm. and do this interview with you, I've been asking people what they think of your work, as in like makeup artists. Yeah. (laughs) Just because I'm intrigued to see what. You know, cause listen, I know so many people who hold you in such high regard as a makeup artist. Really? Yes. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that they all say is that they find your work really painterly. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And they said that's why they like it so yeah. much, because it feels less like makeup applied to a face. It feels like you've painted the face. Yes. I mean, for sure, because I think that's how I look at things. I'm not yeah. very good at... You know, I couldn't think of anything worse than going to Selfridges Makeup Hall and looking at makeup. Mm. Just, I don't know. I, I just come at it from a different angle, I yeah. guess. So maybe you know, and, and that, you know, I don't think I would be really good at doing some major, I don't know, full-on shading Kevin O'Quinn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and I think he's amazing and he's incredible. I mm. just. I just, I don't not think your I thing. Do. Well, it's not my thing. But it is funny you say that because I just always think somebody's going to catch me out. Like, you know, that thing you don't really know what you're doing. You're like just doing imp- it. Like the imposter syndrome yes. almost. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. just, I mean, because a lot of the time, I, you know, of course we have these creative conversations <clears> and <throat> you might get the concept beforehand or you mm. sit there and you talk with the, the hairdresser and the stylist and the photographer and you come up with this thing. But a lot of the time it's, it's what, inspires you that's sitting in front of you yeah you know, what face and <clears throat> even a lot of the times when I do beauty shoots I might have an image as an inspiration and I'll say to you know my assistant show you oh, well, I'm going to do this and then what comes out is completely different mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. because what I see in things is sometimes I don't even know what I see in things yeah. it's just it's a feeling mm-hmm. there's a feeling about something and when you put it on somebody's face you're like mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't quite go, it needs to be more... Yeah. And it changes, it changes mm. all the time. And also, this is actually quite funny, because I actually get quite bored of it really quickly. <laughs> yeah. like if I have to stand there and shade somebody's eye, I'm like, oh my God, I'm bored now. Yeah. Can I just do yeah. something else? <laughs> Which I just don't have the patience. So mm. I am I am actually pretty quick, Yeah. apparently. Mm. And so maybe that's why it's painterly, because... I don't have the patience mm. to make something absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, like you say, it's that it's the thing of it being a feeling, isn't it? Mm. 
I'm a bit like that with hair as well. Like, I'm not really good at sort of getting a picture and kind of going, this is what we're doing. I'm a bit like, that's kind of a bit of a, that's why I'm not very good with mood boards or these mood boards all the time these days. <laughs> because I get, I think people get really stuck on that thing. Mm. And it's like you say, when you actually got somebody in front of you, it, you haven't got the same person that's in the picture. So you have to adapt things and, yes. You know what I mean? And like you say, you suddenly go, oh, hang on, but this person's eyes are further apart or their nose is wider or narrower or whatever. And so you start working around that, don't you? But also what's actually very funny is sometimes you get these references and they're like, well, like that, but actually not like that. (laughs) We want it dark, but light. Yeah. Soft, but strong. A little bit pink, but not quite. And it's always... so. Yeah. You know, it's... A lot of it is open to interpretation. It's how you interpret the yeah. conversation, the image, mm. and uh, and put that on a face, I guess. Yeah. I would say, knowing you as a friend and who somebody who works with you as well sometimes, I definitely think your approach to makeup is like that, where you, you're open to interpretation. You know yes. what I mean? Because yes. I've sat with you on shoots and we've looked, you know, and everyone's looking at things and references and... But you are, you seem quite open to be a bit like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be like that. No. That can just be very vague starting point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where I think your work becomes more painterly because yes. you go a bit more free flow mm. with it. But I think that comes across then in the picture, in the images that you work on. You know what I mean? And that's what people love. Okay. Because it's, <laughs> do you know what? No, but I would say, because I was, I was talking to a makeup artist the other day about you. Yeah. I said to her, you know, who would you say is your favourite makeup artist? And she said, Lucia. Really? Yeah. Oh. And so many people say that. Wow. And I think it's because they they do look at your work and see something a little different to other makeup artists. Mm. No. Hey. Hey. Maybe it's just, I don't know. What, I, yeah. I was just, as I said, I always think it's because I actually don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Get it on there. Yeah, but maybe that's the fun side of it as well, that you feel a little bit like, you know... It's a bit like with hairdressing, you know, you go and learn to be a hairdresser. When you come and do a shoot, it's it's different. But I think you need... Like, as a hairdresser, I always think you need that formal training in the beginning and working in a salon. Mm. Because you just have all different types of hair sat in front of you and you just get to know what hair does. And and nobody, it's like anybody's face, nobody's hair or face is the same, unless you're a twin. And even then there's differences with, you know, identical twins or triplets or whatever. But every single one of them is different. So maybe that complexion just gave you that thing about face, but then the rest of it is just you doing your thing. Complexions was quite weird. Mm. It kind of represented all the things I didn't like about makeup, which is... Quite formulaic, do you think? Yeah, maybe. Uh, and, yeah. and sort of too much foundation, you know, overshaded by shadows. I don't mm. know. It just, it was great in one way and not so great in another way. Mm. Yeah. You know? Maybe it taught you what you didn't like. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not so precise when mm. it's. When it needs to be, you know, uh, this is going to make you laugh, or this might make makeup artists laugh. I only found out what a cut crease was not that long ago. Right. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. And I think it might have been when I was watching Glow Up. (laughs) Why did I know you were going to say that? Because, do you know what? 
I was the same. I mean, I don't think make up, but I was the same. Bloody cut creases, and then you know I never had that training. Mm. The only training I've ever had is is painting and mm. drawing. I never really, I didn't have proper makeup training, as it mm. were. So, mm. no, but people think you're amazing anyway, yeah, so well, it's fine. Really <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's talk about when you moved to New York. Oh, because yeah. that's not long after you moved there. That's when I met you for yes. the first time, wasn't it? When we, yeah. I came to New York with Corinne Day, and we did a shoot together. Yes, and that's yes. when we first met. Well. Actually, that's because I had just been, I just split up with my boyfriend. It was heartbroken. What year was this, can you remember, about? I think it was about 94, mm. 94, 95. Yeah. Alex White, who, who's a stylist, who's a good friend of mine, um, she'd moved to, to New York quite a while before then, and she called me up and said, I'm going to bring you to New York. I'm going to get you to do this shoot with Corinne Day. Mm. This is where I met you. She said, just come and hang out, mm. stay for a bit. You need to get out of London because I was really depressed. I was really upset. Um, so I went and stayed with Alex and her husband, Shaheen, and they had this amazing loft in Tribeca. And she, I slept for three weeks in her wardrobe. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a big wardrobe. It was a very big wardrobe. You were sleeping standing up. (laughs) There was this amazing walk-in wardrobe with a window, I Mm. might add, and a bed. So, But I was just surrounded by all these incredible clothes. Yeah. So it was her wardrobe. We tried them on secretly. (laughs) Parading around (laughs) Alex's clothes when they got to sleep. So this is obviously when she was fashion director of W Magazine. Yeah. Um, And so I just really loved it. I got myself an agent, went home for a couple of months and then came back and moved out there. Funny enough, didn't work for six months. (laughs) And I spent most of my time in... Picasso pizzas, right. <laughs> which had did amazing pizza, by the way. Where's it, that? It, it was, in Little Italy? Or? No, it was on um, Bleecker. had an apartment in the West Village, mm. which was amazing. It was a really great place to live. I used to just, you know, wander around. I used to go to Picasso's, have coffee, write letters to people, because this was before... Emails. And, emails. Mm. So I used to write home all the time because I wasn't doing anything. And I spent a lot of time, because I'd been working with Glenn Lutchford a lot in London, mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time with Glenn and Mario Sorrenti. Um, we used to go to La Dugama, which is a little, little, yeah, little yeah. cafe. We used to go and have breakfast there. We seemed to spend like a whole year having breakfast. I don't know what <laughs> any of us were doing, just eating. If I remember, Le Man used to do the coffees in the massive yes. giant cups, didn't yes. they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to like going there. Yeah, so I, for, for the first six months of moving to New York, I really didn't work. I think I did like one job. Right. Then I decided I'd change my agent in New York, which I did, which mm. kind of coincided with Glenn getting the Mew Mew and the Prada campaigns. Yeah. So... Which is another point where I think that my sort of life definitely changed. Mm. I think going to New York, working with Glenn and doing Prada was mm. another kind of step up yeah. for me. Mm. And I think we did that for about, I can't even remember, maybe two two years I think we mm. did it for. But, you know, he did some incredible pictures for Prada. Yeah, I mean, they were probably 
some of the most prolific pictures for Prada, weren't they? Yeah. Really. Even now, I think, when you look back at all the campaigns, yeah. that it, to me, I would say they elevated Prada to another level mm. as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it suddenly became this, like, filmic yes, campaign, yeah, didn't his, it? His pictures were very cinematic. They were yeah. very beautiful. We used to have the luxury of, you know, spending about, I don't know, 10 days on a ad mm. campaign, which does not happen anymore. You know, those were the days when you'd go off and do Prada for two weeks. And, and I remember one particular time, I think Amber was doing, she had a contract with Estee Lauder and she was doing Red Door. And she had to go back to New York shoot in the middle of doing a Prada shoot mm. go and do Red Door and come back again and we all just stayed in Rome and had a very nice time hung out hung <laughs> out she came back for Halloween and it was Halloween she bought all, us all these Halloween costumes mm. which of course then you know for English people Halloween was yeah, just a not like, a thing yeah 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 so and then I, I stayed in New York for I think I lived there properly for about five years mm. And, you know, I loved it. Mm. It was great. We shared a bit, didn't we, in New York? Yes, even there. yes. Had a few months here and there. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I kind of got rid of my apartment after about five years. And then for the sort of preceding five years, I'd still have an apartment, but I wasn't always there. Yeah. And I sort of flitted around like I, sh- I mm. lived with you for a bit. And I yeah. think I lived with James Brown for a bit. Mm. And then... Oh, I lived with Caroline Tickham for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I got a place on my own. And then I guess I just don't go as much anymore. And it's mm. quite nice to be in one place rather than living yeah. in two places. What's funny was it because we all actually had apartments there and places in London. Mm. And we were sort of going back and forth and it seemed so normal. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, God, I don't quite know how I used to do that, actually. I don't know how we did it. I mean, I'm far too old to be doing that. <laughs> no, I'm not. Getting off the Can't red eye and going to work. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's all a bit too much. Mm. But, you know, we paid our dues. I mean, I remember years of economy. Yeah. And, you know, when you get, you'd have to go to Rome from New York and you'd get stuck in the smoking section at the back of a plane God, yeah, for eight hours. Smoke. Yeah. yeah. I always used to feel probably, in the, I always feel bad for the people, if you were a smoker and you were in the back rows, with the last eight rows, as it was, yeah. I used to feel people in the row just in front. Because it was a bit like, well, they're just passive smoking because <laughs> it's right behind them, slowly drifting yes. over them, wasn't it? Yeah. So glad they don't do that anymore. But yeah, I guess that Prada campaign was definitely, I would say, as your friend, that that mm-hmm. seemed to be, like you say, another level of for yeah. you to sort of elevate you as a makeup artist yes. in terms of how people saw you and, you know, yeah. in the in the world of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> And they were amazing pictures, so... Yeah, they were beautiful. You know, and Still would you are. say doing those... Yeah, they are, sorry, not saying they were, as in they're not anymore, but would you say doing those then allowed you to work with other people a lot easier that you maybe hadn't worked with before? Do you think that opened doors? Yes, I think so. You know, bear in mind I was living in New York at the time, so I started working more, like, it enabled me to work with Craig, so I started working with Craig and Dean, who's mm. amazing, and, mm. you know, you, you just have more... It allowed you to spread your wings a bit. Yes, and I think there's something nice about, I don't know, not putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, working mm. with different people is always 
it's quite enjoyable because the yeah. different people bring out different things in you. Yeah. Then you got hit on the head. Oh, God. <laughs> Just throwing that in there. What, being hit on the head? Yes. Being hit on the head at yes. work. Yes. Yeah. I... When you were right in the flow of work being like yeah. super busy and everything, yeah. wasn't it? And um, I remember that put you out of action for a little while, didn't it? Yeah, six months. I I had very bad concussion. They were moving the backdrops, which mm. are on these huge scaffolding poles, and it kind of tipped over and hit me on the head, like on the head. And, um, did it knock you out? It did, but, you know, very, it's kind of momentarily. Yeah. I would kind of lay on the sofa for the rest of the day because I was mm. so out of it, I didn't really know. With hindsight, I probably should have gone to the hospital there and then, but I didn't. Mm. I actually went the next day because I woke up and I couldn't walk in a straight line. (laughs) God. Well, one, I couldn't walk in a straight line. I'd kind of go careering off somewhere else. I was like, this is really weird. Mm. And then, and also I kept falling over. I'm trying to get over there, but going there. Exactly. It was mad. Mm. And and I kept falling over. So I went to A&E and in New York, which was a bit of a trip, and I had a CAT scan and I didn't have any bleeding on the brain. So basically they were like, you can leave, but mm. you have to go to see a neurologist because you're obviously not right in the head. Mm. <laughs> and I went to see a neurologist and he did, I think he did an MRI. And then he said that I had extru- severe concussion and that mm. I wa- it was actually quite funny being in the office because he was asking him all these American things that I didn't know the office <laughs> Because they they fire these things at you really fast to see your reaction. To try and see your reaction, yeah. Who was the first American president? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he wouldn't allow me to fly home to London for a week. And then when I got the okay from him, I flew home. And I think just the the process of being on a plane in economy for Mm. whatever, I'd herniated three discs in my lower back at yeah. the same time as, you know, the kind of compression of being hit on the head. Mm. Came home to London. I think about a week later, I was looking in the mirror and I had, I don't know, two-inch mm. completely circular ball patch on the top of my head yeah. where my hair had fallen out probably from the shock. shock right? But it took, you know, it took a couple of weeks for it to fall out, but literally mm. it was the maddest thing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, do you remember? Yeah. I had a little sort of hole in the top of my head. Yeah. I couldn't sit down. I was in such agony. My back was really bad. It's funny, it was like you had a delayed reaction yeah. to it in a way, wasn't it? It was yeah. like your body suddenly started yeah. going, hang on a minute. Mm. I mean, the concussion lasted for a long time. Um, I couldn't move my head properly, and I think that... I remember coming around to visit you, and you always lay on your back. Yes. Yeah. I spent spent about six months on the floor. Mm. My kitchen table, I had all these boxes sort of built up, and I'd email people, Mm. but they had to be high up. Yeah. So I could, because I couldn't, I I mean, literally, I couldn't do anything. I could walk. And I could lay down, and that was it. I couldn't even stand in the same position. Mm. If I'm trying to remember, did you work much then? You didn't. Mm. You didn't I didn't work you? at all. I didn't work for six months. Yeah, because you couldn't fly anywhere, could you? No. No. And actually, since that accident, I've never flown economy again. Mm. The neurologist saying to me, "Don't ever sleep on an aeroplane." I was like, "Okay." Right. So I gave you a bit of paranoia. Matchsticks in your eyes, making sure you don't fall asleep. 
So, would you, is that around the time then you moved back to London? Or had you um, already sort of done that? I think it was 2003. I was already back in London, but only like a couple of years. I was still going to New York and, mm. you know, doing the sort of transatlantic a lot. Yeah. But, you know, this was my home. I bought yeah. this house. I lived here mm. kind of thing. Yeah. But did you say, would you say that accident affected work in any way? Like Yes. For sure. I lost, you know, obviously I couldn't do lots of shows. Mm. And then because I couldn't do, not the first time, the second time, mm. then, you know, then people move on. They move, they, yeah, they change teams. Change teams. They work with somebody else. So, yeah, I lost all my shows. Yeah. I guess it does affect your work to a certain extent. Mm. Then you signed to Clay de Poe. Yes. I signed to Clay. I actually can't remember. All I know that... I was with them for 13 years, mm. which it finished last year. So yeah. 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I got a contract with Clay the Poe, which was, you know, amazing. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was like the other part of my kind of makeup life, in a sense, because yeah. it was very different from doing shoots. Mm. I used to go to Japan twice a year, which is incredibly beautiful. I get to do, you know, I get to make colours, like I make lots of colours, mm. say lipstick colours in my studio. I do mood boards, um, come up with concepts, and it was just really good fun. I mean, it was really hard work, but it mm. was really good fun. How long would you go to Japan for then? Depends. Generally, in the beginning, I'd go for about a week, mm. and I'd go twice a year, and then they'd come to me twice a year, and then it sort of get got shorter and shorter, mm. to sometimes I'd only go for like two days or something, yeah. which is a bit crazy. Mm. Quite a special range, isn't it, Clay de Poe as well? I mean, as in, the price point is super high. Yeah, it's super expensive. The availability was yes. less when you first started than what it is now, but it's yes. still... They're only this year... Were we in this year or was it your last year? They've only just opened Harrods. Mm. They've been, you know, ever since I first started, 14 years ago, they're like, we want to go to Europe, we want to move to Europe. Da, da, da. Yeah. And, you know, it took them that long to, to do it. But, you know, it's very, it's quite big in America. You, mm. you can get it in most places in America. And obviously it's really big in Asia. It has a huge cult following here mm. because it was very difficult to get a hold of. And it's also super expensive. Like, they do, they have this amazing foundation, but it's £240 in Harrods, I think, <laughs> which is a little expensive. Yeah. But they are, you know, their skincare is amazing. Their, their foundation is incredible. They're, they've had this concealer for forever that mm. was a real cult following for this concealer. When I first went there, it was definitely older, and they wanted to move it into, to, you know, to younger. I remember asking you what made it so expensive, yeah. and you said the ingredients they use are yeah. the, the, the most expensive yeah. of those ingredients that you can yeah. get, so it's like the best of the best, yes. isn't it? it's the best of the best. But also, you forfeit somehow quite a lot of colour. It's very difficult for them to get really strong pigmentation because mm. it's always, for want of a better word, watered down by the amazing skincare that it has in it. Mm. So you might not get a huge payoff in like a bright blue, mm. but it, they, they go on so well. Yeah. They don't go, you know, they're really easy to blend. So mm. they are actually quite incredible. Yeah. Shadows. 
you know, I would make lipsticks upstairs mm. and I'd send them to them and they'd get and I'd get them to make it. I mean, I, you know, my, my texture probably wasn't right, but it was all about, you know, the colour and I'd do that with eyeshadows. I'd like have so many eyeshadows upstairs and I'd mix loads of them together. Mm. I used to mix them you you can add, there is such a thing as a Coke grinder mm. which apparently you used to be able to get in shops in New York. <laughs> And you just put an eyeshadow in and you grind it so it becomes like super, super fine powder. Right. And then you can mix powders together so you okay. can make your own unique eyeshadow colour. Mm. And we do that with lipsticks. So it would just be fun. You yeah. have so much fun doing it. And do you I think that brought out the artist in you a bit as well? For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because And also you got to do lots of you know mood boards and research I also had to write which was actually really quite difficult for me mm. oh god but I actually enjoyed writing a lot because I think it really pushed me because I'm not so great at writing mm. I think I really love doing it mm. I just think that you know most contracts aren't like that because you like making things anyway don't you I mean I know you studied with your oils didn't you yes yeah which, I which a lot of yes. people don't know about you yeah that Do you... they not? Maybe they don't know. No, they not don't. really. Well, it's not something that you put out there, is it? No. Unless you know, no. unless they know Lucia. Yes. You know. Well, when I lived in New York when I was first there, obviously not really working, <laughs> I signed up for an aromatherapy course, which... That's it. I was trying to think of the word. Yes. I was kept, I, my brain was saying homeopathic, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was aromatherapy. Yeah. That was a year, and... It was amazing and I absolutely loved it. So I started making all my own oils, which I still do sometimes. Mm. I mean, I do it quite a lot, actually. Yeah. I, I kind of fall out of habit. Yeah. Life taking over and things like that. But I've always been very much about natural, mm. organic, uh, healing, for sure. About what you put in your body is, mm. you know, extremely important. What you put on your skin is extremely important. Mm. So, yeah, I do that. I'm possibly doing something with it. Mm. Well, I'm... You're just playing around. I'm just playing around with yeah. it. You know, mm. just... Actually, now I don't have... Well, I'm not doing Clé de Peau anymore. I have this whole studio that I'm <laughs> redoing. Yeah. Although I was supposed to have redone it. I, I just feel like one day you're going to call me and go, I've done an oil <laughs> and it's coming out. It's going to happen eventually. I'm sure it will. Because yeah. you've been talking this, about it for a long time. Well, yeah, since I was about 20. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be... Um, my studio is now going to be the oil room. Mm. So I'm going to... Because it's that thing of you have to get everything out and it, it, it takes up so much room. Yeah. So it's going to have its own little home, its own little place. Maybe I'll paint... Yeah. You know, it'll be my little creative hub. In an ideal world with your oils, what would you like to do? Or you you just, you're not sure yet? I don't really know because I flip from wanting to, you know, mm. actually, you know, do it properly and mm. start a company, do my oils. And then I think, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. In, yeah. Just in the sense of it's it's starting something completely new and completely different, and it's a lot of work. Mm. And I kind of flip between. I like doing it. I like doing them for my friends. I give them, you know, I give oils mm. to my friends all the time. I just want to say you haven't given me one. I know. I yes. I do know. I have quite a few people that I. Mm. There's a list. 
<laughs> I still haven't done it. Okay, so now Clay de Poe is finished after yeah. 13 years. Yeah. And you've now got yourself a new cat. A lovely teddy. Seems adorable and has basically watched over us the whole time we've been yes. chatting. I feel a little bit as your friend that your life has changed a little bit since. You know what I mean? Yes, D- yes, it has. Because you always kept saying to me, I'm going to be a mad cat lady one day. Oh, yeah. You're I mean, now one step towards mad I, cat lady. No, no, I think I am a mad cat lady. Because I, I grew up with cats. Yeah. And then I, I think the last cats I had were with my boyfriend a long time ago, and we broke up. He took the cats, and I was devastated. And I've never had one since, just because I'm always travelling, and who's going to look after it? And mm. I, I obviously kept talking it far too much to my boyfriend, and he bought me Teddy for Christmas, who is right. the most adorable, and I absolutely love him, and I think I love him more than I love my boyfriend. <laughs> I do. Let's hope he's not listening to this. Yes, he probably will be at some point. I guess I, I don't travel as much as I used to mm. through choice. I think when you've been doing it for 30 years, it's time to sort of... You know, to put be, the brakes on a bit. Well, yes, a little bit. Because I was, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, my career has been amazing. I've had amazing time. I've been on amazing trips, done amazing shoots, worked mm. with amazing people. I did a, you know, a, I worked with Matt and Marcus for a long time, who mm. were incredible. And I got to go, you know, do really cool things. And, you know, and I still work with all these people. I just, I just kind of decided a little bit less. I had a, a sort of health issue about three, three, four years ago, mm. I got diagnosed with um, DCIS, which is, let me get this right, it is ductal carcinoma in situ, which right. is basically is pre-cancer. When I stopped work, I went to this place called Hippocrates, which is a natural, completely natural raw food mm. healing centre at Raw Food for six weeks. And I just started this extreme health protocol and even when I came home I would be extreme self-care yeah. took me all bloody day to be honest <laughs> with you yeah. so extreme it was like yeah. a job <laughs> it, was, it was like a job yeah but while I was at Hippocrates I met this amazing woman called Sarah Davenport who used to run the Haven breast cancer charity mm. In London, and she put me onto a surgeon that had a little bit more of a watch and wait approach to it. So I went to see him, and he was amazing. He was like, Continue, you know, do what you're doing. Let's check you in a couple of months. So he checked me. I mean, bearing in mind, this is DCIS. I didn't have breast cancer and didn't have a tumor. Mm. I had the luxury of being able to kind of wait a bit. Yeah, yeah. There is a whole world of alternative cancer therapies, which are extremely good. Mm. And I know a lot of people maybe think that you can't play with things like that, but... Mm. It's definitely to do with your making you as strong as you possibly can in your yeah. immune system and, and not necessarily fighting cancer, just... Just making your body stronger, isn't yeah, it, I guess, being, to, to even deal with it, if yes, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was incredibly lucky. Um, you know, lots of women actually get tumours mm. and, you know, and have to go through chemo and radiotherapy. I didn't have to do any of that. I think going away really helped me deal with the trauma of it all. Mm. And it just made me sort of, I guess, sort of take stock in... You can't keep flying around the world and mm. 
you know, working back to back, you need to stop and you need to mm. breathe and you need to take time for yourself. Yeah. That's kind of what I've done, I guess. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I go and have my yearly checkups. I'm fine. Mm. Um, which is great. Which is amazing and fabulous. I mean, mm. I feel good. I'm, you know, I'm back to work. I took a year off of work, almost a year off of work, mm. which was interesting, I think. It's just... That fear of letting all that go. Yeah. But actually, it's fine. And I, I, I've started back. I'm, you know, really enjoying what I'm doing. And I just do a little bit less of it. Mm. I guess going through something like this, it makes you appreciate mm. life, what you have. You're my amazing friends, my family, just being. It, yeah. It, but maybe you actually needed to do that. Yes, I mean, I definitely needed to do it. And I think I was, in a funny kind of way, I was all consumed with my extreme health care. So yeah. that took up most of my day. Um, yeah. Which which I guess lessened the, oh my God, I'm not working. Yeah. You know? I think... Gave you something to do, I suppose, and concentrate on, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was all about me instead yeah. of somebody else. Yeah. I mean, we work in a service industry. It's all its all about the person that... Well, we're giving all the time. Yes, it's constantly time. giving out, yeah. isn't it? When I started doing this, models were four years young, younger than me-ish. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm yeah. Not probably old enough to be probably somebody's... Well, for sure somebody's <laughs> mother, absolutely. But maybe even somebody's grandmother. Yeah. So, you know... you. There is a nurturing side to you that, you know, because mm. they're young, they're young girls and yeah. you want to look after them and protect them and be motherly. Mm. So... You've got a new, not a new job, a new position. position. <laughs> yes, I have just been made beauty director of Document Journal, mm -hmm. which I am... Applause, applause. I'm very excited about. I mean, I love the magazine. It's a smart magazine. Yeah. It has great, interesting articles. has great fashion in it. And they've never had a beauty director before. So I've only just started. I've done my first shoot. Mm. But yeah, it's great. I get to do really creative things mm. that I'm in charge of. Yeah. Which is actually rather nice. Mm. And also, because they have a, they have a website, so I'm, you know, I kind of oversee anything beauty related going onto the website. So that's really great because that's sort of, you know, younger kids, you know, makeup artists, photographers, yeah. you know, it's nice to support the sort of next generation coming up and mm. it's good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, you know, I haven't actually done that much yet, but... Mm. Well, it literally just was announced, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. A few weeks ago. Yeah. So when you decided yes, yeah. did you have any sort of sort of ideas where you're a bit like, oh, I'd like to do that, I'd like to do this, or are you sort of still working that out? I think I'm kind of still working it out. I mm. mean, I've got a few things in my mind that I'd like to do. Well, you know me, I'm so it's so it's such a sort of visceral process for me. It's yeah. like I, I think initially I was a bit hesitant about giving myself too much work. Mm. In actual fact, it's really it, it's it's actually rather nice to mm. it, it's like a different string to your bow. I'm not used to coming at it from yeah you know sort of beauty director perspective it's like mm. oh gosh this is kind of odd are you going to be doing any writing i wouldn't thought so Ooh. i hope not <laughs> you wouldn't want 
my writing. It's all very good. <laughs> yeah, we could have someone ghostwriting, couldn't you? Yes, this is true. No, I, I mean, I have got a, an idea that I, I do want to do. But I don't know. I just wanted to kind of try and look at beauty in a different way. Is it twice a year? Yes, yeah. annually. So. Okay, well, amazing. Well, that would be exciting, Lucia. So it will be very... I'm very... I'm super excited. About yeah. One last serious question. Yes. Before we move on to the fun stuff... What advice would you give anybody makeup artist trying to break into the fashion industry? Work hard. I work hard. Because <laughs> you know what? I get asked a lot of people by a lot of people. People say to me, "I want to assist Lucia," or yeah. it, because they know that I know yeah. you. You know, I meet as other assistants, yeah. and because I'm, like, I'm a bit like, uh, don't look at me to get you in the door because <laughs> I don't, I don't employ the people for her. Do you know what I mean? But um, I guess my. Advice- I get the the first thing you need to do is make yourself known to agents. Mm. So you need to get on their list to assist for shows. Yeah. Work really hard. What would you, what background would you say they needed though? Do you think they need some kind of training? You before? do need some sort of training yeah. because it it's incredibly difficult to get on somebody's team. Like you if you don't have any training, you could get on somebody's team by chance, but you'll be ended up doing things like Cleaning the bag, yeah, or carrying the bags, mm. or ordering stuff, yeah, or not actually doing makeup. And if it's makeup that you want to do, it's good to be able to have some sort of training, mm. whether you've come from like a, from a makeup counter, or whether you go and do a small course or long course or mm. whatever. It you know you kind of need to know a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, try and get on somebody's team. If you work incredibly hard and you're good and you're conscientious and you're you want to be there, mm. you then become maybe an integral part of somebody's team, mm. and then you maybe become like the second or the third person on somebody's team, and you, you know, ultimately in the end you need to be an, a first assistant of a makeup artist that does mm. across the board, yeah, particularly well, and that is. I'd say one of the mm. best ways of doing it, unless you want to stay in your room and become that kind of makeup artist. Yeah, an Instagrammy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's just a lot harder nowadays mm. because assistants assume that they they should be earning a lot of money. Yeah. And and that they should be in at the, all the right positions straight away. Yeah. Right. I think that yeah. people think they should fast track now. Yes. There's a lot of people think that they should that that, that they want to fast track. They don't want to do the hard work. They don't mm. want to do the graft. And that is actually what you. That's what you mm. need to do if you want to be a makeup artist. In fashion and beauty, mm. magazines, yeah, advertising, that is the way that you do yeah. it. This is why I wanted to ask the question. Okay. Because I want people to know that there is no real fast track. So, let's move to the rapid fire questions. Oh, God. <laughs> so, you can answer one word, a sentence, or divulge. Okay. Who's your favourite artist, past or present? Marlon Dumas. Please divulge, because I don't know who that is. I think I've said her name properly. Yeah? Yes, you know, she does those amazing, they kind of look look, look almost like watercolours. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know who you mean. Marlene. Marlene. Marlene, maybe. Yeah. Marlene Thomas. Okay. Um, Jenny Savile. 
I'd say her. Mark Marlin was my kind of favourite. Yeah. Okay. What's your favourite food? I, mean, I just want to let you know that the last time we chatted about this, which was a few years ago, you said cake, then you changed it to <laughs> chocolate, and then you changed it to white truffle pasta. <laughs> In about three seconds. <laughs> Because I probably would have said I know. The same thing. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you. Because you couldn't make your mind up. You went, cake, no, chocolate, no, white truffle pasta. <laughs> Which really made me laugh, but Well yeah, in a in a in a perfect world where I could eat anything I wanted, it would definitely be chocolate. Right. Okay. What's your beauty regime? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The laugh, by the way, is because I know Lucia doesn't wear a lot of makeup and she's quite low maintenance. <laughs> oh my god, you know, the other day my sister, my sister Paola, who I keep mentioning, mm. she went to see a friend of ours, uh, well, a friend of hers called Jill, mm. and I haven't seen Jill for, I don't know, must be about seven years. She's an amazing masseuse and I used to go and see her a lot. Mm. Anyway, Jill said to Paola, how's Chia? And she said, oh, she's great. She said, has she brushed her hair yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. But it's so me. I'm like, oh my God, there's someone I haven't seen for at least 10 years brilliant. that knows that I don't brush my hair. I still yeah. don't brush my hair. How bad is that? You think I would have grown up by now? <laughs> Sorry, what was your beauty range? Oh, okay. Oh, I do... I, not that much. I wash my face with this amazing oil mm. and then slap a bit of moisturiser on. And in the morning, I sort of do the same. Mm. Sometimes I don't. I, my beauty regime is terrible. Sounds about as good as mine. Don't <laughs> worry about it. I mean, I really don't. Oh, though I do have one of those rolly things. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. Massage your face. Kind yes, of. yes, yes. Yeah. That they're incredible though, because if you roll over, I realise if I roll over my the top of my eyebrows where I frown, mm. oh my god, it hurts so much, which obviously means I frown mm. far too much. Which one um, have you got though? I have the one that the proper Chinese one that you actually right. pull, you know, you, oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. bring it up over right. and across your face, and then I also have somebody sent me one, a little roller one, mm. white jade, mm. and then the other one is rose quartz. I think. I've got a Japanese one. And the, the two oh, with the balls, balls. Yes. look like there's little hexagonals yes, all over it. I have it. one of those. It as looks well. very phallic. Yes. Mm. Yes, I do. I have one of those as well. I don't really use that one so much. I don't much. really use it. I mean, it just sits there looking like a weird sex toy, to be honest with you. But. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, swiftly moving on. Yes. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Oh, I know. I know who I think it should be. God, what's her name? I do know who it is and I can't... I, uh, why am I it's going out of my brain? She's got red hair. She looks like my mum. English? American? No, American. She was in... Julianne Moore? Yes. She'd be good. Yeah. I thought Julia Ormond, who looks a bit like you. <laughs> yes, that was somebody said to me the other yeah, day. Yeah, Carl said that yes, the other day. I don't think she looks like me. You know, she looks like Paula. Oh, yeah, she maybe she yeah, does, she yeah. Doesn't look like she's got a very similar face. Yeah, she definitely looks like a Pironi. Yes, that's she does. For sure. She could, yes, she could, yeah. couldn't she? Mm. Part of the Pironi. actress, too. Yeah, Pironi clan. Yeah. yeah. Karaoke song of choice? Oh, nothing. Don't sing. No, don't, I've done it, I've done it, did it once, drunk in Japan, <laughs> and I was so upset because <laughs> I, 
cannot sing to save my life, and I thought I'd be really <laughs> shit. But when you're drunk, you always think you're better than you are. Well, no, I wasn't. I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> so can you imagine how bad I really was? Just hope nobody filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is your best feature or personality trait? My blue eyes. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I was looking up and going, you've got to say your eyes because they are the most amazing, piercing blue. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Oh, EastEnders. There you go. Yeah. That is my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Chips or chocolate? Chocolate. If you could be invisible for the day, what would you do and where would you go? Can, work, can I fly somewhere or do I have to be You can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. You're invisible. Go where you want. <laughs> You've only got a day to do it. If you want to fly to Australia, that's your day. Don't. You'll get there and everyone will see you. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Where would I go? I don't know, really. What do I... Oh, I don't know. I've no idea. I'd like to go, I don't know, somewhere like Buckingham Palace or something. Yeah. And not necessarily to spy on people, just to have a nosy around. Right. I'd like to know where, you know... They obviously have this huge palace, but mm. they, they've probably got some little... You know. They must have little nooks and crannies, right? Where those well, things... they have a little apartment, don't they? Do in... they? Yeah, well, they do. yes, because they don't live in... I mean, it's in the, in the palace, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's their private bit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that's probably... Because, you know, in the Crown, I've been watching the Crown, and they sleep separately, don't they? Yes. Is that, do you think that's true? I don't know, but I thought it was quite good. I was talking like that to about the other day. To your boyfriend. Have you guys around in separate rooms? <laughs> What chore do you hate doing? Cleaning the bathroom. Mm. Meat, veggie or vegan? All oh, three. Yeah, I'm the same. I like a bit of it all. Yeah. Favourite flavour of ice cream? Oh, well, I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> so you have three scoops, one yes, different flavour. Yes. Right. Okay, no, so chocolate chip, mm. mint chocolate chip, sorry. Mint chocolate chip, coffee, mm. chocolate. Last item you purchased? I bought a Ferminator. A what? <laughs> a Ferminator. Oh, a cat thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a Ferminator, which is a um, it's a cat comb. I was going to say, that, hair. Hair. that could be rude. It could got be. Myself but it's not, got myself a Ferminator. <laughs> um, but of course, I can't comb him because he just thinks it's a game. I oh, really? Eat it. <laughs> right. So we're not doing very well with that the didn't work. No. Is there a country I haven't visited that you really want to go to? I'd love to go to Argentina. I'd like to go to, Pat uh, to Patagonia. South America. Mm. Okay. Well, Any photographers listening that work with you here, next trip, <laughs> Argentina, Patagonia or anywhere in South America, please. And last question, have you ever done anything illegal? Everyone has, Lucia. It's just whether you choose to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if I have done it. God, how boring am I? I don't think I... Oh, well, I've taken drugs. Jesus, that's illegal, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> parking tickets? Don't tell me you've never had a parking ticket in your life. Yeah, I have, but I pay them. Yeah, but getting ones means you've done something illegal, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, okay, yes. Oh, well, that's a bit, yeah, but that's a little, it's a bit pants, that, isn't it? I mean, drugs is much better. <laughs> I was just trying to think if I nicked anything. Actually, this is quite funny because we tried to steal bras from Woolworths when I, God, I must have been about 10. 
No, actually, I must have been older. I think I was maybe about 12. Mm. No boobs. I was, I was trying say, to steal a bra. The bra yeah, I was trying to steal a bra, that a boob bra. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was doing, but um, yeah, I totally chickened out and had to put it back. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting all sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you for your um, uh, admitting that you nicked a bra. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Yeah, and thanks for doing this. Oh no, you're welcome. It's I lovely to it's talk right. to you. Thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody with my guest Lucia Pieroni. You can follow Lucia on Instagram at Lucia underscore Pieroni. Pieroni spelt P-I-E-R-O-N-I. And you can visit Document Journal's website at www.documentjournal.com. During this COVID-19 pandemic, I'm trying to bring you more episodes of my podcast series. But please bear with me as I'm in self-lockdown at my home in London right now. So me and my team are trying to produce everything virtually, which is just taking a little more time. But keep an eye open for announcements of the next episodes and we appreciate your patience. They will be worth the wait. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes available, including all of Series 1, which is already available to listen to straight away. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, everybody, and see you all very soon.